How many of you are Facebook users? Anybody use Facebook? How many of you think Facebook is of the devil? And the person you're sitting next to spends way too much time on it. Anybody? Anybody? Yes. All the husbands are looking for a place for lunch today now that we just said that. Facebook, in so many ways, let's be honest, it's changed the world, hasn't it? It has literally changed the world. It it is by far the most popular social networking site. They tell us that there are about 1.55 billion, 1.5 billion, 1.55 billion users of Facebook. It it is truly an amazing thing. And you know what else is amazing? It's amazing to me what people put on Facebook. It, re- it really is. I mean, in fact, they're, they're, let's just be honest. There are some things that are posted on Facebook that are just downright annoying, aren't they? They're, they're, they're annoying. And so I've come up with some, some things, five things that, that, that I believe that, that people post on Facebook and they're five of the most annoying things that you see. Now, listen, if you're guilty of these things, you know who you are. All right. You know who you are. And so here, here's one. Number five, here's what I found. Over-updating. Over-updating. Listen, we don't need to know every detail of your life. You know, I'm cooking chili in my new apron. Or, you know, I'm at Walgreens and I'm standing in front of Redbox. And um, listen, so many people, as fascinating as your life may be, sometimes you just over-update. And to be honest, we really just don't care that much. Number four, here's another thing. Pictures of your food. People post that, don't you? Uh, Listen, I I felt like a complete failure at Thanksgiving based on some of the pictures that you posted of what your lunch looked like. I just, you know, you made the, I don't think some of those things are real, by the way. Some of your turkeys don't look the way you made them look uh, on Facebook. You, you put pictures of your food. Listen, are you trying to make us jealous? Listen, just eat it. Just eat it already, okay? Here, here's another thing that people, vague booking. Now, I know that that's probably not a real word, but, but, but here's what vague booking is. This is the attention-seeking tactic. When, when you post an intentionally vague Facebook status update, hoping that people will prompt to ask you what's going on. Oh, my life is just so miserable right now. Pray for me. <laughs> okay. How can I? And you're just wanting somebody just to nibble, just, uh, just to see her. Or, or, or this one this week, I'm going to see who my real friends are by it, reposting this and if, see who really reads my post. For reals. Reals. I just read it. But I'm not going to reply to that. You know? But that, that, that's vague booking. Or I, I really could use a friend right now because dot, dot, dot. Vague booking. We do that. Oh, here's another one. Drama on Facebook. Drama. In fact, some of it's so bad, drama is not the right word. It's drama. Drama is really, really bad stuff. There's, there's too much drama on Facebook. Hey, listen, the internet, this is the sermon before the sermon. The internet is not a place for you to air your grievances with people or to argue with them. 
I love looking at stuff on Monday just to see who I offended on Sunday. I love that. And just to see what people are saying about me. And, and I love it because they put it out there and they're just hoping that I bite. I ain't buying that. I ain't biting on that mess. You know, some people though, they use it, don't they? I'm just so mad at so-and-so. We take it out from the HEB cashier to, to the cop that pulled us over for going 25 miles over the speed limit. It's his fault. And we just air our grievances, right? I think the speed limit's too slow in this area. Yeah. Listen, that's not a, if you got a problem with someone, hey, go see them face to face. In fact, I think that's what the Bible says, isn't it? Actually, somewhere in Matthew, maybe 18, chapter 18, 17, 18, read the whole book of Matthew. It talks about it. I know uh, somewhere about, hey, if you got a problem with somebody, just go to them face to face. And what about this one on Facebook? This is annoying. Inviting people to play games. Ah, oh, shoot. Listen, I don't want to plant a farm. I don't want to join the mafia. Nor do I want to play Candy Crush. All right? If you're into those games, can I just encourage you? Go, go back and watch, like, just Wheel of Fortune or something like that. That's, that's so much more pleasant. And you, you actually grow a little bit and learn some stuff, right? Facebook. Oh, Man, as silly as some of these things are, I got to be honest with you, that there, there are some things about Facebook that, that actually are, are, are pretty cool. It, it really is a great way to, to connect with, with people, isn't it? And some of these people maybe you've not seen for a long time. And, and, and you know, by looking at someone's Facebook page, we, we often get a picture of, uh, of who they really are. And, and pictures really do tell some stories, don't they? I like looking at pictures of my old high school classmates because some of them look a lot worse than I do. And it's just kind of fun just to know that, you know, I've aged pretty well compared to, ooh, you know. Um, It's a great way sometimes to offer encouragement. I, I was on Facebook this morning and a pastor friend of mine just said, hey, praying for you today, preach the sermon of your life, all that. I like that. It's a great place to share some, some ideas, maybe even sometimes post and, hey, there's a family in need and we can meet. So listen, it's not all bad. There are some good things that we can do to stay connected with other people. I, I'm just wondering as I think about this thing of Facebook, is there a way that maybe you and I have to connect with the God that we worship today? Is there a way that, that you and I could, could stay connected to him to really know and be able to share with him and for him to share with us what's going on? I believe there is. In fact, the Bible teaches us that there is something that you and I can do. We have access to God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The Bible speaks to this. There's no internet connection needed. There's no mobile device or computer needed. Wherever you are in the world, no email address required in order for you to be able to participate in this thing. Of course, I'm talking about what? Prayer. I'm talking about this incredible vehicle that you and I have called prayer to connect with the God that created us and all things. Are you with me? And so today, as we continue in our belief series, we're gonna talk about this thing called prayer. You know, when we embrace and receive 
the forgiveness that comes from Jesus Christ, something happens in us. There are lots of things, but one of the very first things that changes about us is that you and I become a child of God. And as a child of God, what that means is that you and I have the opportunity, we have gained access to our Father in heaven. Now, week number two, we talked about a a statement, a a belief that was so important. We talked about that the God that we worship here at 1910 Church is a God that is a personal God. You see, the God that we worship and the God of the Bible is not a God that is some distant cosmic figure that is removed from his creation. No, no. Quite the opposite. He's a good father and he longs to connect. He longs to interact with his most prized creation, you and me, his children. Do you believe that? And so if he's a personal God, how can I connect with him then? He's come to us, he's made a way, and and Jesus has made, we participate and connect with God through this thing called prayer. See, prayer is this spiritual practice through which we take God up on this open door policy. His door is always open. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365. We have an opportunity as his children to come into his presence. And we can talk to him and he can talk to us. And it's called prayer. And when we talk about prayer in settings like this, for some of you, it makes you a little squirmish and uncomfortable. For some of you, for various reasons, you, you, there, there are things that come to mind about prayer, like I've got to say a, a certain, I've got to pray it a certain way. There are certain words that are, that are inbounds and some out-of-bounds phrases. I've got to keep my eyes closed when I pray, or I've got to stand a certain way, or you know, don't go too long, or, or whatever. Prayer is really simple. And what I want us to understand today in its most simplest form, prayer is just simply us having a conversation with God. And it's God having a conversation with us. You see, I think we're good at the first part. I think we're really, really good about going to God with our stuff, aren't we? But did you know that through prayer, God wants to speak to you as well? Now, we know that God speaks to us through his word, the Bible. But listen, one of the great ways that God speaks to us as well is through these times of prayer. Prayer is simply us carrying on the conversation just as we would with with maybe another family member. uh, uh, Just as I called my dad on Thursday and I had a conversation with him and we talked and he shared with me what was happening in his world and I shared with him what was happening in my world. That is what prayer is with our Heavenly Father. It's communication. It's carrying on a conversation with him. It's a practice. But it's not just a practice. It's a privilege. You see, it's a privilege for me to come to the creator of the universe. To think that the God of the heavens wants me to talk to him. Oh, but to also think that the God who set everything in its place wants to speak to me as well. That's incredible, isn't it? It's a privilege. It's not a hassle. 
It's not a have to. It's a get to. I get to have direct, direct access to the one true God 24-7. That proves to me that he is this personal God that we talked about weeks ago. It shows me that he wants to be involved in in my life. He desires to have a relationship with me. He wants to know when I'm struggling. He wants me to come to him with the good times and the bad times. And oh, he also has some advice. He's got something he wants to speak into me as I try to make it through this thing called life. Oh, is that not incredible? He wants to talk with us. And he wants us to talk with him. So we are on a journey these next few weeks talking about some things that should be a part of our lives. Some practices, some things that we should be doing as believers, as children of God. Last week we talked about worship, right? This week we're talking about prayer. Why? We can't just hear these things and, 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 and read about them. We need to be doers of these things as well. And so here's the question. Do you pray? You've heard about prayer. You've heard people talk about it. You've been a part of prayer meetings or settings or gatherings. You've had people pray over you and with you and for you. Do you pray? Uh, Maybe I could ask this question. How would you describe your prayer life currently? What one word would you use right now to describe your, is it vibrant or dormant? Is it something that is a privilege or maybe it's a hassle? Is it something you embrace and you long for, or is it just something you do begrudgingly? How would you describe your prayer life? Does it come easily to you? Or is it something that makes you a little uncomfortable? Do you remember the first time you started dating Dating. How many of you have been on a date in your lifetime? How many of you right now are looking for a date? <laughs> All right. I don't, <laughs> Gabe, you are? Gabriel, stand up. This is, stand up real quick. Gabe, no, go ahead and stand up. Gabe, we can't continue until you stand up. Gabe, stand up. This is, turn around, face the crowd. Gabriel, come, Gabriel. this is Gabriel Mandujano. Gabriel Mandujano. Mandujano is Spanish for handsome. Actually, we call him El Guapo around here because he is the handsome. Do you remember when you first started dating? Gabe, I'll I'll see what I'll pray about that for you. Do you remember when you first started dating and how it seemed like it was a foreign language to you? 
You, re- you remember that guy or that girl that, that you were trying to connect with, that you were trying to talk to, and when you talked to them, it seemed like maybe, maybe you were kind of just speaking a completely different language. If you were guys, you were always with guys, but now there's a girl in your life, and you just had to kind of learn how to talk a little bit differently. Or ladies, if, if you, know, you used to run around with your girlfriends, and, and you used to use big words, and now you're talking to a guy, so you got to use short words. You remember that? It was like learning to speak a different language. It was hard to connect. You remember that? It was hard. It was, it was hard to start communicating in the way that, that you both wanted to. Sometimes I think prayer is kind of like that. It's like a foreign language. It's, it's, it's like, man, I just don't know what to say or what to do. Have you ever felt that way when it comes to praying? Is it just me? Anybody? You just don't know what to pray? kind of reminds me of uh, my first experience with a foreign language. And for me, that was Wiley High School, my ninth grade year, and I was taking a class called Spanish, or as they would say, Espanol. And I remember sitting and taking Spanish, and my Spanish teacher was awesome. I loved her. She was great, had been teaching Spanish for years. She was almost like a a grandmother to us. We would say an abuelita, yeah. Uh, she was kind of like our grandmother, and she was great, and, and she wanted us to learn Spanish so much. In fact, taking her Spanish class, we had to have a Spanish name. See, I was Jason Brown the other six periods of, of, of classes, but that seventh period with Miss Mosier in, in Spanish, I had to have a Spanish name. And so the very first day, she gives you a list. Boys, you get boy names. Girls, you get girl names. If you're a parent and have a boy, please give him a boy name. (laughs) If you have a girl, please give her a girl name. It's just hard sometimes. Anyway, um, so I had to choose a name. So I chose a name that I thought was great. I chose the name Alfonso. (laughs) Alfonso. It sounded so dreamy. Dreamy. And it was A. It was one of the first Spanish names. I'd take that one, Alfonso. But it wasn't enough there. I really wanted to indulge myself and really go to the next level in my Spanish career. And, and I even changed my last name to Moreno. So I was known as Alfonso Moreno. Me nombre es. And I just thought, man, that's so exotic. I love it. I remember in Spanish class, not only did I have to change my name, but Fridays we couldn't use English in Spanish class. You had to speak. Fridays was all Spanish day. Ah, I didn't talk much on those days because all I knew was mi nombre es. I remember reading books in Spanish. Don Quixote de la Mancha. I don't know anything about that except he chased windmills. He had a faithful companion by the name of Sancho Panza. Oh, and there was a love in this book, Dulcinea. Mm. Has anybody ever read Don Quixote de la Mancha? One person? That's what's wrong with our culture today. Check it out. Rosetta Stone it or something. You can, you, it's a great read. I wanted to learn Spanish so bad, but just changing a name... And having to speak in Spanish on Friday, I still struggled with it. I didn't do so well. And Miss Mosier was one of the first people to demonstrate grace to me when it came to report cards. Amen? I struggled. 
It was foreign to me. It was tough. That's how some of us view prayer. It's so foreign to us. It's something that we don't do consistently. We don't do it enough. And so whenever your pastor or when someone says, have you prayed about it? You just don't know what to do. It's like speaking that foreign language. And let's be honest. There there are times in which we, we just feel like a complete failure when it comes to prayer, right? And, and I don't know about you, but, but sometimes when I struggle in an area and I'm not real good or proficient in it, you know what I tend to do? I kind of push it to the side. I'm going to involve my life and in things that I can do well. And, and, and some, for some of us, because we don't pray so well or don't understand it, we kind of push it aside. Or for some others, we, we maybe start working a little bit harder or for some others, maybe we start doing some other things and not dealing with it. And prayer, if we're not careful, can become one of the most neglected parts of our lives as children of God. Remember, prayer is simply a conversation between us and God. We talk to him and he speaks to us as well. But it's hard. It's hard. And then then I read things in the Bible like, you know, in Luke chapter 11 where where the disciples come to Jesus and and, and ask him a question. Lord, would you teach us to to what? Man, I would have probably said, Lord, would you teach me how you walked on water? How do you pull that off? Or how do you take fish and chips and create a gourmet feast for so many people? And oh, by the way, you have leftovers? Seriously? Seriously? No, these guys in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, come to Jesus, his disciples, and they say, Lord, would you teach us to what? To pray. Why would they ask such a thing? Well, I believe it's because when they saw Jesus praying, they saw an incredible power that he possessed. I believe that when they saw Jesus pray, they saw things change and things happen. And then I read like things in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17. It says, never stop praying. Oh, but it's so hard sometimes. Some translations say to pray without ceasing, right? Well, that's great. I'm supposed to do the thing, some of you are thinking, that I struggle with. I'm supposed to speak this language that is so foreign to me. And I'm to do it constantly I'm to never stop? Wow. Listen, prayer doesn't have to be so difficult. And I don't want you to get all antsy and frantic and, 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 and start sweating when it comes to prayer. In fact, neither does your Father in heaven. He wants you just to talk to Him and carry on the conversation. He, he wants prayer to just become a natural outflow of your life. God wants prayer to just flow from us naturally. We don't have to work it up or become nervous or sweat it. No, he wants it just to become a natural part of who we are. In that passage in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing does not mean that we must always be mumbling prayers. The the, the word means to constantly reoccurring, not constantly or continuously occurring it means to constantly recur in our lives 
You see, we are to keep, you might think like a, the old telephones that used to have the receivers and you would hang it up. Anybody remember those days? Remember when you had a phone that you talked into like this and there was a mouth here, here, and you had to actually hang it up on something to hang it up, right? He, he kind of wants the receiver to be off the hook, you might say. And for us to be so in touch with God that, that the receiver is constantly off the hook. And this conversation that we have with him throughout our day, it's just, it, it just continues. It's never broken. You see, continual prayer, prayer that does not cease, is not prayer that takes place without any interruption. But it's prayer that continues whenever possible. Whenever possible. The adverb for, for that word continually in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, the adverb is this Greek word here on the screen. And it was often used in, in Greek symbolic of, of a hacking <coughs> cough. How many of you cough? Some of you are going to cough during this season. And that might just be a great reminder as we cough. Hey, I probably ought to pray. I don't know. I'm not praying a curse on you and say, cough, cough, cough. I'm not asking, praying for that. But, but my, that, that word continually was used in the Greek symbolic of this, this hacking cough. And Paul was speaking of maintaining this continuous fellowship with God as much as possible in the midst of our daily living. In which our conversation with him is continuous. It was constant. So how does prayer work? How can prayer become like our our first language rather than than a foreign language? I I believe that the answer is found in in, in an understanding of of maybe why we don't pray in the first place. Near the top of that list, if if we were to make a a long list of reasons why we don't pray, probably near the top would, 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 would be that so many of us are puzzled by prayer meaning that we don't understand it. For some of us, we think that if, if, if God is sovereign, if he's going to do whatever he wants to, why do I even need to pray? Or, or maybe for some of us, you've been praying for something for, for 10 years and, and it seems to you that that prayer has gone unanswered. And so that confuses us. It, it befuddles us and, and we get frustrated and, because we just don't understand it. Here's the deal. The, the fact that you and I don't fully comprehend prayer is not a reason to neglect it. It's not. In fact, that, that, that's not even an excuse not to pray. I love what James wrote in James chapter 5, verse 16. He says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great what? Power. And it produces what? Wonderful results. You see, the man that wrote this verse, James, believed in prayer. In in fact, tradition tells us that he spent so much time in prayer that his knees became hard and calloused. God works effectively through prayer. How many of you have ever seen God work through a prayer that you've lifted up? One of the things that I think is, is so key and, 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 and so important for us to remember when we pray is that prayer must come from a clean, dedicated heart. Listen, I believe that we must have a heart that does not condemn us. 
In fact, I believe that unconfessed sin is, is a serious obstacle to answered prayer. The psalmist writes in Psalm chapter 66, verse 18, he says, If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. I'm going to read a couple more verses. They're not listed for you. Verse 19 says, But God did listen, and he paid attention to my prayer. Praise God, who did not ignore my prayer or withdraw his unfailing love from me. So what do you have to do then to have an effective, powerful prayer? Do, do you have to be maybe some sort of, have some sort of theology in, in this area of prayer? No. Do, do you have to be brilliant? No. You, you don't even have to be smart. You can be dumb and pray. You can. The only thing you have to be is a child of God. <laughs> In fact, if you've trusted Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. And as a result, you have all it takes to have powerful and effective prayer. That's good news, isn't it? I mean, isn't that really good news? That as a child of God, I have everything I need to have a powerful, effective prayer life. So do you pray? Do you pray? I know that there are so many other reasons why people don't pray. It's, we could talk about how we don't make time to pray, or we could talk about how, how maybe we don't even think we need it. We, we could talk about how, how we can't muster up the desire or have enough discipline in order to continue with prayer. We could talk about all those things. Here's what I do know. We, we need the Holy Spirit to work in us in order for us to pray. We, we, we really do. Left on our own and us trying to just muster up enough willpower to do it, we, consistently we will not have a, an effective, powerful prayer life just by us trying to manufacture it. We need the Holy Spirit to infuse in us a new passion. We need the Holy Spirit to, to infuse in us a, a new commitment to want to spend time talking to God. He wants us to. And he's waiting for us. To talk to him. So, what are we waiting for? There's so many promises and so many things that God wants to do in our life. I think we're missing out because we just don't pray. In fact, the Bible, there's so many things listed throughout the Bible that, that says that we can claim in prayer. Did you know that? But, but let me just share something with you in relation to claiming something in prayer. You, you need to remember something. God has promised to supply our needs, not our greeds. I know what's happening this time of the year. Some of you are praying for something to unwrap on December the 25th. You're, 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 you're praying for something. Or you've held off and you're just hoping. And you're praying for it. God has promised to supply our needs, not our greeds. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 says, This same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Is prayer 
an integral part of your daily life? Or is it just some hit or miss habit? Hey, do you pray without ceasing? Or is prayer maybe an afterthought? Do do, do you regularly have a time within your day in which it's quiet and there's solitude and, and you're finding time to pray? Maybe for some of you, it's early in the morning before things get crazy and busy. And while you've heard me say this before and I'll say it again, you need to see the face of God before you see the faces of your friends. Spending time with him daily, the beginning kind of sets the tone for the rest of your day, doesn't it? Whereas if he's an afterthought later or when you find yourself in a, in a predicament, uh, just start your day with him. So I'll, I have a challenge for us this, the next few days. In fact, there are 33 days left in this calendar year. 33 days. I want to challenge you to make prayer a priority for the next 33 days. I, I want to challenge you to strive to become a man or woman of prayer. I I shared this with the students last weekend on their retreat, 86K. Hey, we need to learn to practice the presence. For some of us, that means we need some solitude in our lives. Is there anybody here that said, you know what? I could use a little bit more solitude. (laughs) I need a little bit more silence. Listen, do you have two minutes a day to spend with the Father? You have five minutes if you don't have five minutes of silence or solitude, you, you, you're a walking time bomb. You've got five minutes. Why don't you practice the presence? Why don't you spend it with your creator? And just remember this. God does answer your prayers. But he's not likely to answer those prayers until you've prayed them. Pastor Jim Simbola at the Brooklyn Tabernacle shares these words, and I think they're right on. You don't need fancy words or religious phrases. Just tell God the way it really is. Hey, your father's waiting to have a conversation with you. Let's call out to him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.